0: The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. There are my humble opinion. There's there's some stories that are impossible to understand. Maybe you can remember this from your college lit class, or even from your grade school lit class, ELA. I picked up a book recently. I was wandering around in the classics section of the Queen's Library, and, and I picked up a little book of short stories by a, a famed and classic Um, short story author named Flannery O'Connor. The book was titled, A Good Man is Hard to Find. And one night, I opened it up and began to read these short stories. I opened up to one called The River. And in this story, we meet a little boy named Bevel. Bevel is in the south And he's taken by his babysitter to an American revival down by the river. It's a healing revival. And in the course of the revival, Bevel is invited to to be baptized. The preacher calls him down, dunks him under the water, and he lifts Bevel up from underneath the water, and he stares Bevel in the eye, and he says, Bevel, now you count. And Bevel goes home. Beville comes back the very next day all by himself because his parents didn't care about him. He goes back down into the river trying to find that glory that he had found the day before. And then Flannery O'Connor says he was carried away by the water to find the kingdom of Christ. Apparently, the very next day, in the very same waters where he was baptized, he drowned. That was the end of the story. And I'm sitting there late at night scratching my head and I'm thinking, what does this mean? I don't get it. And I googled it. I looked on Wikipedia to see what the literary critics say about this story. What does it mean? Because that's how sometimes reading accounts can go, right? It's hard to understand. Some people make the accusation that Luke is hard to understand. They say that, that Luke doesn't have any of the theological cues like, like Matthew does. Like Matthew, he has these massive statements that explain the whole reason that Jesus died. He says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we know what it means. They say Luke has none of that. Luke doesn't have any of the theological statements from Isaiah. In fact, he omits them. He says things like, Luke has this. He was numbered with the transgressors, but then he omits strikingly the following phrase that says, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So people, they'll read this beautiful story, and they'll be like I was with Flannery O'Connor. What does it mean? So what? Jesus of Nazareth suffered and died. What does it mean? How does it change my life? And I couldn't disagree with those people who say that more strongly. It's true. Luke doesn't have those massive theological statements where Jesus is going to be the ransom for many. It's true. He he omits for his own reasons. Parts of Isaiah that would have been helpful. But the truth of the matter is, Luke gives us something that I would say that is arguably better. His explanation of the sufferings and death, his reasoning for the sufferings of death of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is absolutely clear. And if we can get it, it'll turn our lives upside down. I want to show you this to you by f- reflecting for just a few minutes on two massive, decisive actions that Pontius Pilate takes during the sufferings and death of Jesus Christ. And the first action that Pil- decisive action that Pontius Pilate takes is simply this. He comes down with a verdict. Now a lot of people, I think, they, they kind of mess this up. They think that there was some kind of wrong injustice that happens to Jesus, but that's not really true. Pontius Pilate. We're going to see this in just a minute. We'll read it together. Pontius Pilate. He gathers all the people together to hand down his verdict because he's he's going to make a considered judgment. He questions Jesus. He listens to the charges. He looks at Roman law about sedition which is very interesting these days. And then he hands down his verdict. And this was a simple verdict. I find that this man, there is no basis for the charges against him. I'm going to release him. That's decisive. It is done. The verdict has been handed down. So, if Jesus dies, and he does die, if Jesus dies, he does not die for his own sins. That's a done deal. Now, I, I, maybe you have too. I've done my fair share of listening to true crime. I, this last summer, I binged listened to while we were on a road trip the, the pod, past podcast Suspect. And every time I listen to one of those podcasts, you know what happens after the verdict? It's done. It's over. The people disperse. And it happened the same way in Roman times when people would hand down a verdict. It's over. In fact, of of all the gospel writers, Luke makes this, this, this point decisively that Jesus is absolutely innocent of the charges that are coming against him, he makes the point so decisively and emphatically that it's almost like he opens up a gap for us. What happens if Jesus goes free? What happens if if, if the, the verdict that Pilate hands down actually sticks? You have to think about that. Now, some there's actually a, a literary genre called alternative history. I think the most popular genre book in this genre is was a book written by Newt Gingrich back in the early two thousands. He wrote a book that reimagined it, reimagined the Civil War, and it, it went like wildfire. It sold like crazy. What happens if the South wins the Battle of Gettysburg? And he told that story. And it's almost as if it's so emphatic that Jesus is innocent of the charges that that Luke is opening up this gap for us to consider. Well, what happens if Jesus goes free? Who dies then? Not Jesus. Barabbas does. And what happens with your sins then? Where can you find peace and forgiveness for what you've done? What a hellish world that would be. Wouldn't that be a hellish world to wake up in the morning and say, I got to carry this every single day? But that's not the world that we live in. It's not. Because Jesus did die, and not not for his own sins. In fact, a, as we read this in just a moment, you're going to see. You're going to see that Pilate never changes his verdict. It's not like he goes back on it and says suddenly, oh, okay, I'll just kill him. I was wrong. My verdict was wrong. He's guilty. He never, he never takes it back. In, in fact, what happens, according to Luke, is somebody gets this big idea that they could do a swap. Someone in the crowd, we, we don't know if it started with Pilate or the crowd, but somebody gets this, this Passover idea that there could be a swap. What could we just swap them for Barabbas? Somebody thinks it out loud and then they start shouting it. We want Barabbas. Let's just let's make an interchange with them. How about we take the healer for the murderer? How about we take the seditionist for the one who obeyed Roman law? How about we take the murderer for the one who raises the dead? And that idea won the day. An exchange would take place. And Pilate takes his second decisive action And he says, okay, that's what we'll do. We'll take the innocent one for the guilty one. And in that moment, that decisive action changed the trajectory of Jesus and Barabbas. For Jesus, it meant nails. And a cross, it meant his blood dripping on the ground. It meant suffering and death and burial. But for Barabbas, he just goes free. In every single sense of the word, he just walks out. It's over. Legally, it's over. Pardoned. Physically, he walks right out. Like spiritually, God chose Barabbas instead of Jesus. It's just this great exchange. And and all of a sudden, Barabbas is walking out of that cell and his past is wiped out. Like what lays in front of him is potential and opportunity and new life, you could say. In exchange. Barabbas's release today is our release. If Jesus dies, it's not. He doesn't die for him. He dies for us. And he does die. And just as decisively as Jesus died, You have been set free. You are forgiven. You go free. You are released from your past. Walk out. In front of you is a new life, potential, opportunity. to do what you want with it. What will you do? Will you go back to the way things were? I don't know, if perhaps did. What about you? You're released.